what we're going to do, um, I, I know the class says wisdom. Uh, I would probably strike that and just use the word experience. Um, we're going to each share our story of conversion, and then we're going to uh, share our story of, of why we, how we came to Otter Creek. And uh, hopefully we'll have some, some time to talk, and what we've done in the past is if there's anyone in the class that would like to share your experience, we'd love to hear that as well. Um, so I'll start with mine. I grew up in the deep south Jackson, Mississippi, um, in the late 50s and through the 60s. If you know anything about American history, race was a big part of the time and culture um, where I grew up in, in, in Jackson. It just it, it touched everything. Um, there was a significant battle for uh, dignity and civil rights um, in uh, my home state of Mississippi, which I still still love, went through quite a struggle. Uh, it was very difficult for a black person to eat at the same restaurants, go to the library, use the same restrooms, uh, even vote. Um, and I'm, I'm telling all of this to kind of set up a, a story that, that was part of my conversion story. Um, in 19, it was probably the spring late spring, early summer of 1965, uh, I'd started to kind of sit with the youth group at my, my church in Jackson, which was sort of up front. And um, in 1965, Mississippi had a number of outside uh, activists come to the state because the year before, uh, President Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act. And the Voting Rights Act uh, did away with a lot of restrictions that southern states placed on selected people to vote. In Mississippi, uh, if you were an African American, you had to pay a poll tax. Or you had to pass a civics test. Uh, on paper, it all sounded good, but it was selectively done. But a lot of activists were in the state to, to help with register folks because of the Voting Rights Act. Well, one Sunday, right after church had started, everyone was in their pew, in walked, shoulder to shoulder, three activists. As I recall, two were white, one was black. And clearly, they were kind of making a statement, but they were not loud, they didn't make a commotion, they just marched down the center aisle and sat in a pew right kind of in front of the youth group. And I thought, boy, this is going to make for some interesting uh, Sunday lunch conversation <laughs> at Morrison's that day. And so um, they sat down, but one member uh, who clearly was quite racist took it upon himself to get a metal folding chair very similar to what you're sitting on. And he took those chairs and he barricaded the pew in front of them. He barricaded the pew they were sitting on and he barricaded the pew behind them, which left the clear message is you are not welcome here. 
you are separate but equal. Um, and that really got my attention. Uh, at the time, I'm probably, I was 11, but was going to turn 12 later, later that year. Um, and nobody did anything. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I will say, this makes the church sound really bad. But that church, not long after that, completely reversed course and did a lot of great things for racial struggle. But it really bugged me. It really bothered me. My parents um, were uh, from the Deep South. My, actually, my dad was from Oregon. My mother's Mississippi. Um, they did not buy into a lot of uh, the hate and racist language, things going on, um, and I, I just knew in my soul that just wasn't the right thing to do, and my parents didn't agree with it. But nonetheless, it really, really bothered me. And so, um, about that time, a lot of my friends were getting baptized, you know, church camp, or, you know, church, but I, I just felt like I, I, I just... I just getting baptized just bothered me. I didn't want to to uh, you know, join a church that was like that. I just was really bothered, and, and so um, I was probably the last unbaptized young teen in my youth group. And actually, an adult approached me about getting baptized, so my dad could become an elder. That bothered me too. I, if anything, I dug in more. Um, but um, a few years clicked by, and another summer came. And uh, I love baseball. I was on a pretty good uh, baseball team, uh, summer of 1967. Uh, we won a city championship. We were uh, starting players, were all pretty close. And uh, one afternoon, on a Sunday afternoon, I got a phone call that our second baseman, Mike Reinwald, uh, was at his dad's company picnic and didn't come home. He drowned in the lake uh, where they were having a picnic. And boy, that kind of stunned me. That's my, kind of my first real exposure to, to someone dying. Then I get another phone call and it says, oh, by the way, the family wants the remaining eight starting players to be Padres. So when the funeral was held on Tuesday, I really got close to death. Uh, I had never been to a funeral. I'd never been near a deceased person. Uh, I, I still have smells of the funeral home because I walked in. I remember seeing my friend in an open casket. Uh, I remember getting the, the little flower pinned to you. I remember all the instructions. And then um, I thought we were just going to have a short ride to the cemetery. Well, he was buried 50 miles east of Jackson. So we all climbed into a hearse. No one said anything. It was, you know, eight boys, really quiet. Uh, he was buried high up on a hill. We had to carry the casket up. The tradition of that family is everyone stayed until the 
grave was covered, and I still remember the sound of the red sand hitting that, that casket. So that was a pretty disturbing few days. And my mother, God rest her soul, could tell something was bugging me. I, I just, just wasn't myself. And she said, what's bothering me? And I just said, well, I just, just can't believe you love your whole life, and that's all you've got to look forward to. And uh, she had the wisdom to start talking about faith, her faith, and Jesus. And I mentioned my concerns about hypocrites and the walls I saw. And I forgot exactly what her words were. I wish I could remember them completely, but something to the effect that when you become baptized, you're not being baptized into a flawed church. You're being baptized into the, the, the death, the life, and resurrection of Jesus. And that, that, that connected. And so within two weeks, I walked down that same aisle that those activists did and uh, became baptized. And um, uh, I, I just, at the time, all that was kind of stressful and traumatic, but it was really, really very special to me. And uh, thank you for letting me share that story. Well, I'm a lifelong Tennessean. My hometown has two traffic lights that are about 150 feet apart. So, uh, Go Irish. <laughs> yeah, they have St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I was fortunate both my grandmother on one side and my grandparents on the other side lived within a mile and a half of where I grew up. So, what town was it? You're in Tennessee. So um, I grew up in a Methodist church. I had connections with Church of Christ because my sister married the preacher's son when I was six. Um, but going through there, they kind of had a process and you were supposed to be baptized after you went to a class. I did. I waited and I was convicted and was baptized as a senior in high school. So I was probably Two subversives, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my whole life I went to church, college, was always very active, etc. Um, but was kind of religion. Had to be convicted. So, um, so I'm David Nowers. I'm kind of the opposite of uh, Fred, anyway. Um, I grew up in the Northeast until mid-70s. Um, my mom was a, a little dirt poor tar paper shack farm girl from rural middle Tennessee, Ridgetop. Uh, my dad was from Vermont. And my dad, um, my story, I won't go into the details, but I have a great God story about how my mom and dad met. Um, my mom um, met my dad in Turkey, a uh, little dirt poor farm girl went looking for someone in Turkey and ran into my dad uh, by accident. Got off the elevator, he was uh, stationed and living uh, next to the embassy uh, in Turkey. She got off in the wrong elevator, opened up to his apartment, and my dad would tell you, I knew when she got off the elevator, we were going to get married. Uh, it's a very wow. cool story. Um, she was a Christian, he was not. He was just a New England uh, rough tumble soldier. Um, Air Force. Uh, anyway, they got married. Um, actually, he sent her back to live in Vermont uh, until he got out. Uh, they got married when he got home, and uh, she convicted and, and converted all kinds of people. 
uh, among his family. Um, we moved from the Northeast to, to Middle Tennessee because my parents wanted us to be in Christian schools. I, was, I moved here in the seventh grade, well, going into the seventh grade. Uh, they wanted us to be in uh, what they thought was a different environment. So I went to Good Pasture, um, um, and it was uh, the Northeast. I mean, where I, read, where I grew up was totally different, obviously, than what Fred. We didn't have what I, when I moved here, you know, I thought, well, there's churches everywhere. It's kind of like the country club. Everybody just goes. It doesn't mean anything. When I grew up, growing up for me, there was nobody in the Church of Christ, which is what my mother was, and that's what we did. We we were basically uh, like missionaries almost. We would start little churches. We would meet with in people's houses. We would build churches, um, and it didn't matter what color or who you looked like or what you were. If you came to church, it was great. Uh, nobody in my school knew what the Church of Christ was. When I was fifth and sixth grade, I went to a school that had been a Catholic school. And so all the kids were going to catechism classes, and I was like, I'm going home. <laughs> uh, I, was tell, I told another class we had the difference. Uh, when I was go to a school fair at that school, you know, they'd have like games and raffles and all things at the little school fair. The prizes uh, for the adults were cartons of cigarettes and bottles of hard liquor. <laughs> so it, was a, it was a totally different environment than what Fred, Fred had. Uh, but uh, coming when we first moved to Nashville, we went to uh, I, we, we would always come back, come south for two weeks for vacation. Um, we'd stay with my cousins because I had lots of cousins here and cousins in Vermont. Um, we would come down here and we'd go to Ivy Point Church of Christ out on in Ridgetop. Um, and I got baptized at a uh, gospel meeting. At age 13, me and my cousin nudging each other, going, "Are you going to go down? Are you going to go down?" Yeah. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. Uh, so, any of you that old school that remember gospel meetings or having to walk forward in front of the entire congregation and decide to get baptized, you know that feeling. It kind of sticks with you. Um, what stanza was it? <laughs> probably like the sixth of okay. uh, Amazing Grace or something. Um, just as I am. Yeah, probably just as I so am. So pretty early on. <laughs> yeah, there were a number four to go. Yeah. That one actually had eight. I remember. <laughs> yeah, it probably was just as I am. I can vividly recall those. Um, so that's... Um, my mother was very... Uh, um, uh, she had a very strong will. Um, in, the, in the Northeast, she... Uh, my grandmother would go to go to a church, but it wasn't it wasn't what mom thought we should be going to. She wouldn't ever let us go. We would we would travel. We would find the Church of Christ in Keene, New Hampshire, and drive like 40 minutes when we were up there uh, every, every every Sunday morning. We were my my dad was the kind who was always the first in the door. We were always the last to leave. We were always active. We were always participating. Uh, so I. I had a, I would consider it an ideal childhood, um, and I've always had a pretty simple, basic faith. I never, I've never struggled, um, which has been made, made, made my faith easy for me. Maybe I, uh, it's, you know, not everybody has that. Some people struggle and question everything, and uh, I don't know. God blessed me with just kind of a simple faith where I looked and I read and I felt like I understood. And uh, anyway, that's kind of my story. Could you give us a, a brief version of that 
God story about turkey. Yeah, if I can do it without breaking into tears. My mom died when I was 29, so it's tough. When I start talking about my mom, I get, seems like the older I get, the more yeah. I cry about things. <laughs> In 10 years, I won't be able to do any of these classes. <laughs> um, well, you, you can get Randall. You know, y'all just call, call. Randall was like that when we were in our 30s. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I didn't know till I was probably 13 or 14 years old that my mother had been divorced. I knew when we traveled around a lot and we would move with my dad's job. He was in the early computer industry. And I knew whenever we went to church somewhere, place membership, they, they would always go forward, which was always kind of odd. Yeah. Um, but my mom had been married as a, like I said, she was a dirt poor farm girl. Her mother died when she was three. Uh, she, she probably, I'm not even sure what time, she got married when she was an early teenager. Um, and she, the guy that she married, I don't know much about him, but uh, he was a civilian doing something over in Turkey and had been over there for a while. And she was embarrassed to tell us. She was just mortified that we would all grow up and get divorced because we thought it was okay. Um, which was kind of an old, old school thought. Um, and she didn't want that for us. She didn't want us to think less of her. So finally, you know, we would always ask, well, how did you, where did you all meet? And they finally, on one of our trips in the car, they broke down and told us. It was very emotional. Um, and um, she had gone over there looking for him because he was over there and she, somehow she knew that he'd been running around, he was having affairs. And, and if you knew my mother, you would have thought, this little quiet, uh, conservative country girl in the 50s went where? Um, and she went looking for him and she, like I said she was trying to get to the embassy and she found my dad um, and he knew him he knew who he was and they went and found him and he said now I'm living the good life I'm not coming home do what you want and so dad sent her back to his house because she was uh, didn't have a real place to go back to or her dad was an old tobacco farmer and just didn't have really have much to go back to so he sent her to Vermont she stayed with his mom and he got out and not long after he got home, they got married, and when she died, um, was in Good we lived in Goodlesville, we were going to Madison Church Christ, and uh, she had been working at Levy's, she worked at, she was the top, top sale person, first woman, the best saleswoman Levy's ever had, and uh, she had... This is the men's store? Yeah, yeah oh, men's wow. store Levy's, yeah, and uh, she had, she had uh, impacted so many people. Colin Garrett Funeral Home, which is the big funeral home in Goodlesville, said it was the largest funeral they'd ever had. Yeah. So, over like a, no seating anywhere. Yeah. Well, last week David talked about God stories, and I just said, I said, I got to hear this story. So, anyway, thank you. Well, she converted my grandmother. She just did so many good things. So, anyway, sorry. Well, um, I guess round two is kind of our stories about how we came to Creek. And, um, uh, we, our, my family came to Otter Creek in 1992. Uh, well, that sounds like a long time ago. Uh, but uh, we were all living uh, in uh, just outside of Dallas, Collieville, Texas. I was employed, pretty good job. We went to, in those days, they call it the Richland Hills Church of Christ. Great, big, big, successful you know, church. Rick Hatchley was the minister. Um, but, um, um, I had a really good job, but I just really wasn't waking up looking forward to go to work every day. So, um, as happens sometimes, you get a headhunter call, which leads to 
some interviews here in Nashville and uh, just really was very excited about uh, the prospects here. Uh, ended up taking that position and um, uh, a good friend of ours, it was a former Otta Creek member here years ago, Grady Hensley, gave me a really good tip. He said, look, if you move your family, don't do it in the summer like everyone does. Move in the middle of the school year because your kids make friends quicker that way. Yeah, well, that's a good idea. Talk to Vanessa. And so um, while I started work here in uh, January of '92, uh, the family didn't move here until spring break, March of '92. Uh, so I was here a few weeks, and that's where I first met your dad. Uh, he invited me home to your, your house one one night after evening service, but. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, when family came up here, we, we kind of made finding a church more of a serious endeavor. But we were just blown away by the, the number and quality of churches of Christ in the Nashville area. Um, and so we, we, you know, of course we were aware of Otter Creek to the Hensleys, and I'd been going here. But again, we went to Harpeth Hills, those days, Woodmont Hills, wasn't in its new building, so we went to Woodmont Hills, and we went to Brentwood Hills. And after about three or four Sundays of that, it wore us out. Because every time you'd go to a new church, you'd go through all your stories, and on and on. It was just exhausting. And so um, we kind of turned to our kids and said, well, what do you think? They said, wow, we really like Outer Creek. And so literally that same weekend, I was uh, watching TV in another part of the house. My son was watching TV up in the, the den, and he says, I just I heard Michael say, that's the guy. That's the guy that leads singing in Otter Creek. He's on television with Reba McIntyre. <laughs> we all went running in there, and there was Buddy Arnold, who was our worship leader uh, in 1992. Uh, he was in a music video for the McIntyre as a professor. I can't remember the name of the song. Life Out There. Well, thank you. It wasn't fancy. Well, anyway, that so impressed our, our children that uh, the, the song leader at Otter Creek would be involved in a music video. Play it on Reba. <laughs> uh, Reba, Reba McIntyre. So uh, anyway, not long after that, uh, we all placed membership at, at Otter Creek. And that's how we came to Otter Creek. Thank you for the song. What's the song again? Is There Life Out There? Is There Life Where she out goes there. back to school. That's right. Yeah. yeah he, was a, he played the, the, yeah. the dapper professor yes. type to, yeah. to a T. Yeah. Uh, Eve told me that was a Lipscomb and she was uh, an expert. Yeah. Bell bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my friend's hair was. <laughs> 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 we actually watched that video at Lightroom. Oh, how would you guys ride that? Yeah. It's JP McCurley's that in that video, too. Yeah. <laughs> you got the bow tie and everything. There you go. Thank you. Got it. That's amazing. That is amazing. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that, that, that sort of sealed the deal. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> he plays that. Go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, Rob and I came here in, I think it was 84. Uh, she had went to school here in, in college, 
Um, and when we were trying to make a decision, one of the things that was real important to me was that churches didn't criticize other churches. And in the early 80s, you know, every denomination can, you know. And one thing I found here was it was focused on what we did and not worrying about other churches, whether they're a church or Christ or others. Um, the other thing that was really strong was a lot of the people that was here, like Buddy. Um, I still remember the story. He mimeographed all the music. We didn't have it on the screens and that. And he would go around and put the bulletins there and think about who was there and pray for them. And again, we were a lot smaller then. Uh, Charlie Armstrong, we had a, I guess, a dinner for new members. And I was having trouble with the car on this Saturday night. He's ready to come help me fix it. He told me how, and I did it myself. But, but there were just a number of people like that. Um, and again, it was a focus on God and not trying to justify that we were right and they were wrong. It was a, was a big, strong draw. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of truth for all, probably all of us in what Tom was saying about Auburn Creek at the time. We've been here a long time. If it tells you anything, I, when we were here, um, if, if you know Carrie's mom, uh, if this won't surprise you, Miss Nan. Miss Nan, um, they went on a trip. I believe one you can correct me. We were we were house sitting, taking care of the kids on Carrie's first day of the first grade. Uh, oh, wow. Nobody. It was no big deal to Nan. If you know, that's why I say, if you know Nan, that's not unusual. Now all of us you know. It's a little different for she'll helicopter parents. Yeah, it should be fine. Just stay <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we were, we were housing for her and her, uh, the rest of her family, uh, taking care of them on her first day of school. So we've been here, been here what are you, like 25 now? Yes. <laughs> now, I've been here since I started coming here. I started coming to Otter Creek when I was a freshman at Lipscomb, so I've been here a while. Uh, so since probably close to 1980, um, it was uh, you know when you're in school you visit around all over the place and go a bunch of places. Uh, Melinda's parents and family started to come here probably close to that same time, um, but uh, we landed here and probably for a lot of the same reasons Tom said it was uh, it was a it was a different church then obviously it, it was much smaller. Um, it was easy to be involved. Um, I mean, I probably things I would tell you is a lot of things are the same uh, back then. The same the same group of people probably did a lot of the that, a lot of the work. It's probably the same way now. You go go to church, and a lot of people are the ones that are real active and do the same thing. So I would encourage all of you guys to get really active. We were very involved. And, you know, we helped with the youth group. I ran the fellowship committee for ten plus years. There was just you know there was. You could either not be involved or you could be really involved. And being really involved, you really make a lot of friends. So if you don't, if you don't know a lot of people in this class, uh, the more involved you are, the better off it's going to be. Uh, so we got, we just got committed, and I've been going to church camp now for 31 years or something like that. Um, so I would encourage everybody to do that. Um, if this is, if this, if you're committed to this being your home, make it home and find find things to do and find people to be involved with and uh yes keep talking but if there's not a third tier of this i've, I've been wanting to hear from the beginning too uh convictions of each of your midlife groups because i would say for anybody who doesn't know these three men and their families 
it's pretty amazing the things that they pour into this community. And I would love to hear what triggered that. Like for you, why the youth group? Why Meals on Wheels? Just if you have any, is that there? Sure. But, but I mean, we, we'd also love to hear from you guys. And I was yeah. going to tell you, I, Fred had me tell one of my God stories. As Melinda will know, I've got a, I've got a handful. Of, and I don't mean, oh, I prayed over something and I think something happened. I mean, real God stories, things in your life where you go, wow, something powerful happened in that. That never would have happened if I hadn't listened or that kind of thing. Real and I, I told my kids those because I wanted them to know. Because, you know, after 10 years, you go, did that really happen? It's, inc it's important that you remember your God stories and that you tell your kids your God stories so it, it brings it to life for them. I would and, go so far as write them down. Yeah, and, and tell your friends because it, it, it impacts people. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. So, Fred, jump in with whatever you want. Rephrase that again. So what what is it? About. I don't, sorry, I don't want to stir the class okay. anymore. Well, we're, like we're done. We'd well, like to hear from you, so we'll answer whatever. But. Ask Carrie. She's good. No, they, they have the agenda, not me. So I don't know if there is some other place that you guys wanted to take it. If, if not, I think, no. Well, we'd love to, as, as, as David said, we'd love to hear from some of you. Um, um, because the one thing about Otter Creek is I'm just amazed at the stories mm -hmm. and the experiences and the influence and what the kingdom of God does, you know, from our Greek. Um, that's kind of been my, my, my passion ever since I've lived in Nashville, uh, is I can give a lot of time to family, I can give a lot of time to, to work, uh, but I've chosen for whatever reason to give a lot of time to our Greek. And uh, uh, David says it's really changed. It's from when we first arrived on Granny White in you know, 1992. Um, and what's, I guess, that's been part of uh, my journey at Otter Creek is just the, the people I've known, lived with, that loved with, gone to funerals with, you know, hospitals with. Uh, you know, one, uh, th this really sounds crazy, one of the most tragic things I ever experienced at Otter Creek was one of the most beautiful. And I'll never forget this. We were in a, in a life group, and we were breaking up. One of our life group members was an elder at the time, Steve Giddens, got a phone call, and all he said was, we gotta go to the Vanderbilt Children's ER right now. He didn't say what. We all loaded in the car, and on the way down there, we heard that uh, one of the young sons of one of our members had lost his foot in a long life. And uh, it was just so tragic, but I was just astounded by how quickly that waiting room filled up with church members and life groups. Uh, it was just amazing all the care and concern so it's um, uh, and that's just one God story about Otter Creek but um, it's one reason I've always it's just been a joy to give a lot of time and attention to whatever it is Otter Creek is about um, I can't say I'm a camp guy I went a few years um, 
my, my kids said, okay, Dad, you don't have to go again. <laughs> <laughs> good try, good try. <laughs> uh, but um, but uh, there's so many ministries, so many good things that Otta Creek has, has done. Hard to kind of pinpoint one. Just, just love serving this church in whatever way. Yeah. I guess one of the things outside Robin is really known for is Meals on Wheels, and she's been doing that for thirty something years. It was she started, you know, a couple of years after we got here, and it was a good way to get to know people. And I've tried to support her administratively, like on the list, and help her know how to email and stuff. Um, but I guess a lot of mine has been, I was, there was a finance committee right before, yeah. I think one before the MCC, one yeah. with MCC, yeah. and the yeah. time the MCC, I was a chair of that, yeah. and the MCC wanted me to come every Sunday, and I thought, you don't need to be talking finances every day, uh, every time you meet. But the MCC, when it started, it met every week, mm-hmm. um, and was very active. Uh, then uh, did MCC, uh, Shepherd. Um, I served on the Wayne board as president and secretary, and I think for about eight years. So I'm off now. I rotated off. And, uh, but, so. Yeah, so if, if you don't know us, really, you, you may not be aware, but you, you might think that, well, I don't have the gift for that or a skill for that. We are way, really different mm-hmm. personality types. Uh, if, you, if you can't. Tom's, Tom's really quiet, and you would never know how much great stuff Tom does, because he's not going to tell you, he's not up front, and you just don't know. And, and you might think, well, I'm whatever, I can't do all that. I mean, we, we're not any different than you guys. Um, the things that we've done are just because we pitched in and, and tried to get involved. And, you know, you don't have to be the person who wants to be up front and will talk. So your wife tells you to be quiet. Or, you know, Tom's done great stuff. So I might say I've been at camp for 30 years, and it may pale behind what he's done. You know, and you don't, you don't realize, um, and you might think that you can't do stuff. And it doesn't, doesn't matter what your personality is. You, you can be really involved and do some really good things. Uh, we, um, we've all got different skill sets. Mine is probably, I don't know when to stop. I just get in, I just kind of get in and keep going until somebody says, yeah, you need to quit doing that. Uh, it's um, because I, you know, we did, we, we were small and somebody had to do stuff. So I was over the, I, I, we had a whole group of young married couples that we were friends with and we, we were pretty good at doing stuff. And so we ended up being over the fellowship committee and there wasn't any, nobody really pitched in and said, we wish we could set up all the tables all the time. So, <laughs> so we, we did it for a long time and stuff that's still being done today started back in the early days or early my early days, you know, whether it's a chili cook-off or ice cream dinners or we used to have a Valentine banquet. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, all, there's a bunch of stuff that we started and did every year. And there was, our group was much smaller and you know, we just, you just did stuff. Um, I wish I could take credit for being at camp every year. I mean, I did go, but it was probably selfish. I, I wanted uh, David Netterville, Lori Netterville's husband. Uh, he's a year or two older than me. I can remember before our kids were old enough to be at camp. We said, yeah, we want this to be a really good camp. We want it to be something special. So when our kids are old enough to go, they'll go. So I started going when David Jr. was four. 
He's mm. just turned 37, and he has never missed a year camp. Mm. Wow. Uh, so, you know, you just go, and you try and influence your kids, and you try and be, and, and I was able to go to camp. I guess that's a God story in itself, through the grace of God, uh, that I was able to go, and uh, jobs worked out. Melinda had breast cancer. I was able to keep going somehow. I don't know, you know, so we, we were just able to go. And it was important to me that the kids at camp all, you know, when Franklin was there, uh, we played the same games when Franklin was there, that Franklin now comes back and helps us play now. So his, his kids are playing the same games, and I'm still there. You know, so, <laughs> well, Mr. David was here when I was a camper. You know. uh, so, it, it's, you know, it's just, it's, you know, I don't, knowing when to quit, I guess, knowing when to jump in and, and try and find something that you think you're good at. And... Uh, it's it's been a great experience. It's been uh, it's, I've gotten a lot more out of it. I'm sure we'll all say the same thing. We've all gotten a lot more out of it than we put into it. Mm -hmm. so, and, and some of it I've done with selfish. Well, I, I I would love for you guys to have that opportunity to hear from other people. But if no one else has anything to say, I would love to ask y'all um, what keeps you here. Because through uh, the years, I'm sure there have been preachers that have not been your favorite. Or you know, song leaders that have not been your favorite, or camp hasn't gone the way you wanted it to be. Um, so, like, why are you still here? And so, I, again, I want this to go. <laughs> why did you left? <laughs> Before we answer any more, I, I know there was at least one question. So, well, it, it kind of goes along the lines of Carrie's of, like, so all of you are 30, 40 year members of Otter Creek at this point. How does being long-term members, long-term shepherds shape your thoughts about where we're, because we're obviously a very different church than we were 30, 40, 50 years ago, and how how you shepherd in those ways. But it kind of goes along the same lines of, of what Carrie's asking is, you know, the adaptability of Otter Creek and what you have to do as shepherds as we're in a much different environment now than we were in the past. Well, I'll just jump in that pool uh, real quick, um, and I've not really thought this deeply about it because it is a very profound question. But you know, I think as I look at culture and life, as I'm over my lifespan as well, um, we're just pushed to kind of be a certain way, think a certain way, join a certain group. Um, there's just such pressure to kind of be only with those that think like you, look like you, and be like you. And one thing that's been real special about Otter Creek is it's just, you know, I used to live in Austin, Texas, and the, the, my favorite motto of Austin, Texas is keep Austin weird. <laughs> keep Otter Creek weird, okay? <laughs> um, the, the church is a place where you really get to be in a strong relationship with people not like you. And David just said it very well. We are very three different, you know, men. Very different. Um, and Otter Creek is just a, a great example of a place um, where you've got different political stripes, different socioeconomic, and I'm really encouraged over the years to see a much different ethnic and, and racial makeup of Otter Creek than what it was 30 years ago. Um, 
But for me, there's only one place where all that can really take place in our culture, and that's in, in a church like Calgary. So that's what's kind of kept me here. It, it, it's, for me, it's never been about the music or the preaching style or program. It's, it's all of that kind of weirdness mm -hmm. that, that surrounds us each week that's uh, special. Uh, in one word, people. Uh, it's friends and relationships um, is the reason we've stayed here the whole time. Um, the one thing that's, I think, consistent with Otter is there's always been a lot of diversity, but the core belief and focus on God's always been there. Tom. I'm, glad I'm glad I'm following you because you're saying the same thing I've been saying. Uh, uh, I would say people have kept us here. Um, um, I grew up in a not a southern conservative background, as I said, but a but a, a biblically conservative background. Um, and uh, people have kept us here. I can remember when we first started here that Otter Creek, as Fred had said, Otter Creek was always um, different. Um, we were probably a little too proud of ourselves at times for being different. Um, we, while we didn't make fun of other churches, that's not totally true. We made fun of how uh, rigid other churches were and how we were better than that. Um, and that always bothered me some. Um, but there were great people here. Um, whether it was Buddy Arnold and the singing that we had here. We were known for our a cappella singing and the work he put into it. We could sing the Hallelujah Chorus. We could do, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, Wednesday nights where you could call out numbers and we would have whatever we wanted to sing. Buddy would lead it all. It was, it was, a, it was a good place to be. We had uh, a great mix of young and older people. You know, at the time it wasn't unusual, but we had all kinds of great you know, World War II vets and couples were still here. Um, it, was a, it was a really good place um, and we were up. While I am among the elders, I'm going to, it's no secret if you don't know me, I'm, a more, I'm among the more conservative of the elders. Um, Otter Creek has always been true to scripture. Uh, while we were not condemning of everybody. Um, and that's always been really important to me. It's still really important to me that we not follow culture or be something just to be something to fit in. So I, um, like I've said, I have a very basic, simple view. I try to read scripture and, and do my best to understand it and hope that the Holy Spirit guides me and leads me and that I don't have to be the wisest person, I just have to, I have to listen really well to what I think God tells me. Uh, so I, I, I know all of us do the same thing. As elders, we try to we try to pray a lot. And if you don't know, being an elder, the best thing about being an elder is uh, being with good men and praying over people. The rest of the stuff is a bunch of baggage. Uh, trying to argue over points and where we're going and what we're doing is, is the least fun thing we do. Uh, so it's 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 over getting to know people's struggles and pray for them, and that's 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 really the the real work that we do. Um, so the people, I guess, bottom line, it's the people that keeps us here. 
unfortunately, I think class time is over, so I don't know if y'all have any where you want to. If it's over, we can. Yeah. <laughs> well, what we did last week is ask for a volunteer from the class to pray us out. So, anyone like to end our time this morning in prayer? Saw a hand raise right here. Yeah, I'll do it. Go for it. Thank you. <laughs> Let's pray. God, I thank you for your hand on this body and for the way that you have loved this church and for the way that the church has loved you. For the, the threads of the men and women in their faith who have served this group, for the way that that has come together and made a beautiful tapestry of your faithfulness to this body and to the community. We are thankful. And Lord, I pray that we'll leave this classroom today re-energized and, and thankful not only for what we've seen, but re-energized to go out and be a part of that continuing thread in our community. And Lord, thank you for our time together. It's in your sins that we pray. Amen. Amen.